Are you a, are you a bird watcher? We feed the squirrels. Oh, you do. Okay, yeah. you're a squirrel watcher. Yeah. And, and the blue jays. The blue jays. Uh huh. We've got a. Uh, We're standing in Steve Knox's driveway. He built his own house. It's beautiful. But we're not looking at the house. We're looking at the telephone poles. Um, you're connected to the, the telephone poles over yep, there. Yep. It looks like there's one pole that's even on your property yes. there. Yep, we have one pole. Yeah. We followed the lines from that pole out to the street. I don't know if you've ever looked up at a telephone pole. There is a lot going on up there. So we're standing in front of a, a telephone pole on your road. Yeah. What's the name of this road here? This is the Passaconaway Conaway Road. Okay. And we're in Albany. Are we in Albany or in Conway? No, we're in Albany. We're in Albany. The wire at the very, very top is electric. The lowest wire is the phone line. And in between is everyone else. Cable, internet, competing phone companies. See the, see the orange? It's the third line up. Uh-huh, yeah. There's an orange paint stripe on there. That's yeah. the fiber. Yeah. You do not have fiber in your home. Fiber does no, not go to your no, home. No, it does not. No, it does not. I don't believe it goes to any homes here. Yeah. But there it is. Somebody ran that line up here. So why aren't they using it? <laughs> That's my question. Fiber is the kind of line that carries really fast internet. If you want good internet, you need fiber. And Steve has been trying to get better internet, not just for himself, for his whole town. It's a project that he and another Albany resident, Rick Highland, started earlier this year. Now, Steve and Rick are not the only ones in New Hampshire who wish their town had faster or more affordable internet. They're certainly not the only ones who have called up their internet service provider and been kind of mystified. And you're you're but, but so close and you're yeah, so far away. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I don't understand it. Hello and welcome to Word of Mouth from New Hampshire Public Radio. I'm Ben Henry. We're doing a series on the North Country. And this week, we're talking to residents about their internet access. We got this question from a listener who lives in Littleton, Laura Clarkin. What are towns doing, or what should they be doing, to increase the availability of high-speed internet in the North Country? Towns across New Hampshire, but especially in the North Country, are trying to get better internet. Until they do, the state is a patchwork. The internet is ubiquitous in places and totally absent in others. That listener, Laura, who sent us that question, is a librarian in Bethlehem. I drove up to see her. We're not a hush-hush library. Um, sometimes I tell people we're half library, half general store. <laughs> we hear, you know, people's lives. They share things with us. Like most libraries anywhere in the country, the Bethlehem Library is a hub for internet access. Because a lot of people in town don't have internet at home, or not good internet. There's some streets where it's on one side of the street, they refuse to bring it to the other side of the street. And not everybody is here for books. Maybe they're here to check their email. Maybe they're here to apply for a job online. And you can sit here all day long. And if we're closed, our Wi-Fi works in the parking lot. So at almost any hour of any day, you can see cars in our lot, and they're using our Wi-Fi. A little way to the north, the library in Northumberland is another hub for the internet, although even their connection isn't great. Here's Gail Rosetto, one of the librarians there. I live off of Page Hill Road. No service whatsoever. The library is okay. We have DSL, and I don't even know what DSL means, but that's what we've got. Gail says one of the common reasons people come in to use the internet is to try and get a job. They use it for job search. They use it for job applications. Like, I don't know if you saw the sign out front for the census. 
the Census Bureau is looking for people to be census takers, but you have to do it online. Lots of jobs were like this, not just big companies and government positions, even little restaurants, coffee shops, what have you. And a lot of people don't have computers at home, or if they do have computers at home, they don't have printers, and they come in here to use our computers. Another common reason that people depend on the internet is for education. Students in the North Country have a hard time taking online courses, which of course the universities are trying to push more and more of. This is Linda Upham-Bornstein. She teaches legal history at Plymouth State University, lives in Lancaster. Online courses are a real challenge for students. If I have a video assignment, they can't watch it. So I try and make sure they can see that here. They can't uh, easily upload papers that are due. So they don't have that option, even though it's promoted as a rural opportunity for people who are working. I know several that tried and got frustrated and gave up. And it's not just Coas County. It's a lot of other rural communities throughout New Hampshire. The best internet available to Linda at her home is satellite, which is very slow. You're bouncing a signal all the way to space and back. The service I'm using right now is Wireless Link, which is, it's the weather dependent. Sometimes it's often going down, so often I don't have internet. For me to do my PowerPoints that I use in class, if I want to add anything to it, I can't upload it to my drive here. I have to bring it down to campus and upload it. On a good day, I have a 4MB download and a 1, maybe 2 upload. (laughs) I don't know if that clarifies it. Um, I want to take a second just to understand what a 4 megabyte per second download speed feels like. Okay, I'm in the office. It's a Sunday. I'm the only one using the internet. I am going to do a little internet speed test here. Um, Let's see. And we are, wow, we're coming in at 160 megabits per second. And to put that into perspective, uh, so let's take a song. Let's say Old Town Road, about two and a half minutes. And so I'm going to click download now. And okay, it's done. So it's downloaded. So that did not, basically did not take any time for me to download that. Um, I'm going to go into Chrome. You can actually throttle your own internet speed and like make it artificially lower. What did Linda say she, she got? Like uh, on a good day, four megabytes download. So now I'm going to go to that same file and I am going to click download. There's a thing estimating how much time this is going to take. It's estimating about 20 seconds. The difference between my office building in Concord and Linda's satellite service at home is huge. One small file took way longer to download. It's all very, very slow and tedious. It's very time-consuming. Life used to be a lot faster before the internet, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Um, Wow, you might be the the first person who have ever said that to me. (laughs) They haven't lived in the North Country. And, and so do you spend a lot of time just kind of twiddling your thumbs waiting for your computer to download something? Yes. Yeah, I have a hard time because I'm a person who likes to be busy. So when I'm waiting for download, it's hard for me. I'm just, I, get, <laughs> I get very stressed <laughs> um, because I don't like wasting that time because I have so much to do. So it does get frustrating. The cable provider in town is Spectrum, a company that serves a lot of the North Country. Which is only in the downtown area, uh, so they won't go to the rural areas. We actually asked. Um, They told us if we wanted to pay $18,000, we could get service. So we said, no, thank you. (laughs) The company would need to put in new cables to get to her house, and Linda would need to foot the bill. 
I think it's hard in New Hampshire because the southern part is doing well. And so the northern part tends to be overlooked because there's just less of us and, and constantly declining because people can't afford to stay there. Linda said she would love to teach an online class, but with her internet, she can't. And on the other end of that, someone who wants to take an online class, who lives somewhere with spotty internet, can't do it. Someone like Mandy Anderson from Groveton. I was doing school online. A lot of my work is online. And I was getting sick of missing days of work because at the time I was living in Stratford in the hollow. And there is really no internet for there. And I actually upped my Verizon package to having unlimited data. And that's what I do for Wi-Fi. Like, I use my cell phone hotspot. (laughs) I mean, I run everything from it, from my laptop for school to work to I I run the kids' Roku off it. So... (laughs) Mandy pays about 260 a month in phone bills to cover all of that unlimited 4G data. She has one cell phone that she just uses as a full-time Wi-Fi hotspot. Basically, she's using a phone as an internet router. Even still, her Verizon signal goes out sometimes. Every internet service she's tried here regularly goes out. I actually stopped halfway through my associate's degree because I had Fairpoint and my internet just was not reliable. I could not sign in to my seminars and I just ended up actually putting my degree on hold. How long did you kind of put a pause on your associates for and what were you doing in the meantime? Like what did that mean for you? A year and a half and it put my career on hold because I didn't have that degree in my hand. <laughs> I did my LNA while I was waiting to get my degree and then In between my associates and bachelors, I got my real estate license. You have a lot of different licenses. You have to up here. (laughs) Hmm. The economy was horrible. I mean, it's doing a lot better now, but Hmm. it's one of those, the internet was definitely a necessity for me to get my degrees. We're living in kind of a strange moment. Realistically, you can't do without the internet. I don't know when exactly that became the case. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, you can cut the cord if you want to, and some people do want to, but you won't have access to the same education or jobs or even just the same parts of American culture. People who study this problem call it the digital divide. People like Monica Anderson at Pew Research Center. When we first started measuring the digital divide in 2000, only about half of Americans used the internet. But even then, you saw that there were some major demographic differences. And in many ways, a lot of those gaps have narrowed over time, but there's some consistent differences. So in a survey that we did earlier this year, about 63% of rural adults say that they have a broadband internet connection at home. But when you look among those who live in cities or suburbs, those numbers are closer to 80%. People who are older, low income, black and Latino, are less likely in America to have high-speed internet in their home. So we have this digital divide. To understand why, you kind of have to understand how this industry works. One person in New Hampshire knows possibly more about it than anyone else. My husband and I created a company called NCIA North Country Internet Access. This is Carol Miller, and this company she's talking about was the very first internet service provider in the North Country. 
They started the company in 1990. Back in the days when internet was just developing. What got you into this? Well, oddly enough, um, I come from a long background of uh, bartending, (laughs) waitressing, just like everybody else. You know, in my mid-30s, decided to retrain, went back to college, uh, fell in love with my college professor, uh, Jeff Shaw, and uh, we created a company. We were both working um, other jobs, uh, just trying to make ends meet. A typical North Country job, three or four jobs (laughs) to make a living. And so we would spend our our time, our extra time, I should say, in the office. The company grew really, really fast. So we expanded from Berlin uh, to the North Conway market and then to the Littleton market, which proved to be very fruitful for us. And then over time began offering statewide connectivity. Carol quit her other jobs. She was in the internet business now, full time. So on a Friday night, we would sit in the modem closet room and watch all the modems light up and <laughs> log on to the servers to make sure that nobody was logged on twice. And, and so there was a, a good majority of our time was spent providing uh, support and technical assistance uh, to keep the network up and running. The explosion of the internet caught phone companies off guard. Suddenly, thousands of people wanted to use their infrastructure to do something it was never intended to do. Phone lines are made out of copper, which works fine for sending a phone call across the state, but not the Internet. We've outgrown copper. Fiber is actually glass. It's, it's made out of glass, and it is able to handle uh, waves of, of data, an uh, unbelievable uh, amount of capacity Fiber is is the future for all of New Hampshire, and I, I'll be the first one to tell you that uh, towns looking to change their destiny or to enhance services should look at fiber. Today, by the way, Carol works for the New Hampshire government. She's director of broadband technology. I asked her, why is it so expensive and time-consuming for an Internet provider to expand its coverage into a rural area? Like, what are they paying for that makes this so difficult? Well, they're either replacing cable, rewiring the whole neighborhood. Um, Some of the cable that's on those poles is very old. Um, It's about 30,000 a mile uh, to do fiber optic. Um, Isn't just the cable itself cost that much? No, no. I mean, there's you have to have hangers. You have to have people terminate the cable, and that takes a special skill. And you also have poll access. There's, there's a whole list of rates. This busy little universe of telephone poles, miles of wires, make-ready studies, there are just lots of middlemen here. They all get a slice of the pie. Also, this industry tends to be secretive, which can be inefficient. For example, it's really hard to figure out which neighborhoods in the state actually need better internet because that changes constantly, and nobody's really keeping track. All this to say, the internet is a costly, confusing business to be in. It's profitable in a city or suburb, but not as much in rural places. Because none of this is regulated, most companies will invest where their dollar is going to make the most bang for their buck. What do you mean when you say um, none of this is regulated? None of this is regulated, meaning if, and I shrug to say this, but I've feel I should, is that um, if service were regulated, everybody would have it. But because it's an unregulated service, meaning there's no penalty for not providing it, 
It's simply left up to the private sector and their investments. So they're going to put their money where where they're going to make money. A common problem you hear people complain about, they have one internet service provider in their area. So if they don't like the service, tough luck. Why is there so little competition in this very lucrative field? Well, I, I think that there's some secretive agreements that, that these companies come up with that, say, that says, I'll stay out of your territory, you stay out of mine, because it is it is the bottom line to them that really, really matters uh, on that. But uh, Yeah, tell me about those agreements. What, what do we know about that? We don't know anything about that. <laughs> I mean... Do you think it's reasonable to expect that there are just parts of New Hampshire that maybe never will have real good internet despite residents, you know, wishing? Well, unless there are some grassroots efforts and some work done at the municipal level, and I believe that is the key, really, um, those towns will, will be left behind. It seems dramatic to speak of a town getting left behind. Obviously, lots of people are perfectly happy living in a town with no internet. But if you need jobs in your town, if you want people to move to your town, raise a family there, high-speed internet is really attractive. Nobody really knows where to go from here. How do you get a whole town wired up with new internet? Who do you call? That's after the break here on Word of Mouth. Stay with us. It was a pretty amazing, right? I mean, indoor spin classes in Colebrook, New Hampshire, <laughs> offering that many classes with wait lists. Uh, yeah, kind of surprised myself, I guess. Uh, my name is Jonathan Dodge. I'm the owner of The Spoken Word, Bicycle Repair and Advice in Colebrook, New Hampshire. The winter is hard because it's cold and it's dark and the weather can be treacherous and it's slippery that season can get a lot of people down. Historically, for the, what, four or five winters that we've done spin classes, we would offer one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, typically eight to 12 classes a week. And yeah, there were generally wait lists for for every class. Our very first day that we were going to host classes, our first class was at 5 a.m., and Amber was going to be the instructor for it. And at that point, we weren't certified as instructors, so we were streaming uh, an online instruction. We had a seven-foot screen and a projector, and she showed up, and the Internet was out. So we couldn't stream, of course. She had never even been to a spin class. She knew nothing about this other than, I had this foolish idea to host them. So she got in front of the class, she turned on some music and she did the best she could. And that was day one, <laughs> it was session one. You're listening to the North Country series on New Hampshire Public Radio. On today's episode, fast internet, small towns. Remember Laura, the librarian who wrote in and asked us about the internet? Part of the reason that it was on her mind, she and her husband are in the process of moving from their home in St. Johnsbury, Vermont, to New Hampshire. 
Laura loves Bethlehem. And I really want to live in Bethlehem. I couldn't find property um, that we were, what we were looking for, that had a high-speed internet. And my husband works from home. We have to have it. So um, we looked and looked, and, and it's a problem. And it's a problem here, and it's an even bigger problem if you go north up to Colebrook or Pittsburgh. I mean, some, of, some people in the North Country are on dial-up. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's the 21st century. That should not be happening. And it's impacting businesses who might want to move here when we could really use the jobs, um, as well as people who want to live here. At one point, we were looking um, at an area on the Dalton-Littleton line, same road. As soon as you crossed the sign that said, Welcome to Dalton, there was no internet. I've heard from a number of people that good internet was a big sticking point when they moved to the North Country. Patrick Hubine in Jefferson, for example. He met his wife while they were in college here. They lived in Texas for a while. Then they both got jobs that would let them work from home. Suddenly... They didn't have to live in Texas. They could live anywhere. Uh, And then we were like, yeah, let's move back to New Hampshire. Well, anywhere with fast internet. He was searching house listings online. So then I tried internet. I tried fiber. Obviously, there was no fiber up here. Um, Oh, my God, I tried so many options. Um, At some point, I took out all the requirements. Like, we wanted at least a little bit of land. We wanted a house, not an apartment and then put those search terms in, and there was basically nothing at all. So I feel like there's a lot of people that would like to move to New Hampshire if we had the right infrastructure for internet, for cable, fiber, whatever. And, I mean, you always hear about young people moving out of New Hampshire, and I think if you're under 30, right, you grew up online. Everything you know, like your communication happens online. And especially in Kawas County, you grow up with DSL or satellite, Of course you want to move away. You want to, like, be connected to others. You tell people from away (laughs) or down south, you tell them these types of things, and they don't believe you. You're like, what do you mean everyone doesn't have high-speed Internet? For towns in rural places who don't want to be, in Carol Miller's words, left behind, they want to attract the Lauras and the Patricks of the world. Now, Laura did find a place to move. It's a place in Littleton. From the sound of it, they love the property, it seems great, but I have to point this out, they wanted to move to Bethlehem, and they just couldn't find a house there with fast enough internet. Bethlehem is a lot smaller than Littleton. Small towns across New Hampshire worry about attracting new residents. Uh, My name is Steve Knox. I've been a full-time resident of Albany, New Hampshire for about 42, 43 years. Albany is one of those small towns. Love the town. My family's roots go deep into this town. Love the North Country. In last January, Rick Highland, the chair of the Board of Selectmen in Albany, he and I were, were talking and we were discussing the lack of what appeared to us to be broadband within the town. And so we began to, we wondered, where do we go from here? And Rick, being a selectman, brought the issue up at a selectman's meeting in Albany here. Here's what happened. The town select board said, Yeah, go ahead, figure out a plan to get better internet here. The two of them started asking around. They got in touch with towns who had actually done this already and succeeded. One town they looked to was Chesterfield. A New Hampshire law that passed just last year allows towns to issue a bond, basically to borrow money 
for a broadband project. Chesterfield was the first, so far the only town, to try this. They struck a deal with an internet provider to build out fiber to every home in town. What I know now, and I want to stress that both Rick and I are very much in information gathering modes, I don't think it's going to work if each town does it on its own. I think we need to come together. There's another high-speed internet project that Steve and Rick are taking notes on. It's a case where a bunch of neighboring towns came together to invest in a publicly owned fiber network. This happened in eastern Vermont. It's a group of 24 towns. And the idea for this came from the way that towns pay for other kinds of infrastructure, like sewer and water. One town can't really afford to build out its own water supply. But when you scale up, when you get your neighbors involved, you can build one big municipal water supply. So these Vermont towns said, what if we take the internet out of the hands of the phone companies and build a municipal fiber network? So far, in a nutshell, it's working. And at this point in time, they've kind of become our model. Maybe this is the model that we want to use. Steve just is not as optimistic that Albany could hash out a deal with a private company the way Chesterfield did. Especially because, he says, the state of New Hampshire does not support towns to do these kind of projects. 75% of the state's population lives in the four southeast counties. So therefore, naturally, they are very concerned with, with the infrastructure and so forth of, of that area. But there are six other counties in the state as well. <laughs> and I think this is where the urban-rural divide becomes very prominent. In my opinion, state government in New Hampshire is not aggressively pursuing this. So most, most of the efforts here are basically locally based. It's communities getting together and saying, okay, we, we're going to have to do this ourselves. I think even though it's going to be test our perseverance and our commitment, I think at the end of the day, we will find that we can do it. There's actually another law related to funding internet development projects. It's on the governor's desk right now, waiting for a signature. It would allow multiple towns to pool their resources and issue bonds together so they don't have to undertake these big projects individually. Whether or not that law passes, Steve and Rick are thinking they need to get as many towns in Carroll County on board with their project as possible. And what we're hoping is that if we get all 18 towns involved in this thing, a provider will say, okay, now there's something far more attractive here for us. If there's one thing everyone agrees on, it's that these projects take an insane amount of work months, years of negotiating. There's no playbook to follow. Closing the remainder of the digital divide in this country might just take a long time. Word of Mouth is created by me, Ben Henry, Justine Paradise, Jimmy Gutierrez, and Sam Searles. Our executive producer is Erica Janik. Support for this series came from the Tillotson Foundation. A big thank you this week to Megan Carr, Nancy Moreau, Ray Davenport, and Andrew Dorsett. And to the many, many of you who responded to our Facebook posts and told us about the internet in your neighborhood. And you know this. We're a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.